Welcome to this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. It's hard to believe, but we are headed into the week of Christmas, and we are so excited to be able to celebrate the season. My name is Pastor Isaac, and I have the privilege of introducing you to today's episode, which is titled, When We're Bored. And we're going through this Advent series, and man, sometimes it's true that we are just bored out of our minds. And sometimes when we're bored, we just put things into our minds that are honestly just a waste. And so we're going to be talking about um, how to handle boredom throughout the Christmas season, how to really stay connected with the Lord. And so as Pastor Dave brings us this message, I'm just excited for you to hear it and uh, to just grow from it and to really learn. Hey, so we got a lot going on this week. If you're listening to this before December 24th, it's good news because you can still make the decision to come out to our church um, in person for our Christmas Eve services. We are having those services at 3 o'clock, 4.30, and 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve, December 24th. We would absolutely love to see you. And you can let us know, hey, I listened to the podcast and I wanted to come out in person. Is there really any better time of the year for you to visit us in person if you don't have the chance to? And so if you also want to know anything else that's going on with the church, you can go to baritownroad.org slash events, and you can find all sorts of information there. You can also like us on our various social media platforms. Uh, You can go to our Facebook page, YouTube, or Instagram, where we would absolutely love to connect with you. So without further ado, let's continue on in our series titled God With Us, and this particular sermon is titled When We're Bored. So I was told that the man in that skit is actually going to come on Christmas Eve. So that actually worked. So make sure on the way out you grab one of these and put it on someone's doorknob and invite them to Christmas Eve. <clears throat> hey, before I get into the sermon, just quick reminder of this weekend. So Christmas Eve, 3 o'clock, 4.30, 6 o'clock, live stream in child care for your children, birth through six years. Um, at the 3 and 4.30 service only. And then Christmas Day, we're just going to do one service, no child care. We will have coffee, and we'll be together for those of you uh, who want to just bring your kids for that service. And then New Year's Day um, also falls on a Sunday, obviously, and we're just going to have regularly scheduled services on New Year's Day. All right, we are in part four of this series, God With Us, which is the perfect statement to sum up what Christmas is all about, God with us. And week one, we said that God is with us when we are afraid. And then we said, uh, God is with us when you're overwhelmed. Anybody overwhelmed this week with all the stuff that you have to do getting ready for Christmas? Last week, we talked about how God is with us uh, when we lack joy. And so we we talked about bringing joy to other people. And today, today we're going to talk about God is with us when we're bored, okay? as some of you guys are just walking out right now because apparently you're bored. Just kidding. Um, just let me give you a, a quick statement or to define the word bored just so we're on the same page. Feeling weary because one is unoccupied or lacks interest in one's current activity. Isn't it true that when you're bored, sometimes it is kind of exhausting, right? That's why you, you're kind of like, oh. Nobody's going to do this this morning, right? I'm not going to see anyone do that. But it it is a little bit tiring. Like I had a job years ago um, that was so boring, 
it was actually kind of tiring. I would get done with my shift, and I'd just be kind of worn out. And all I did was sit there all day. I was a lifeguard, sat in my lifeguard chair, and just watched people lap swim all day. I mean, it'd be cool if it were like Michael Phelps lap swimming, but it was just, you know, people lap swimming. One day, actually, um, months after serving as a lifeguard, not seeing anything happen, I told the lady I was working with, I said, I got to go to the bathroom. Went to the bathroom, came back two minutes later, and she's like, I can't believe you were gone. I just had to save somebody. And I'm like, oh, I missed my one chance for glory. You know, I missed the actual purpose of getting a lifeguard. And then I actually got a job at the courtyard by Marriott, which is a hotel, a few months later. And it was great because nobody ever swam. So I could just sit in a hot tub, do my homework. And if anybody ever did swim and they were struggling, I could just say, just stand up, man. It's only three feet deep. Come on. Like, so we've all had boring jobs, right? We've all had jobs where you're just kind of like, ah, this is, this is boring. Some of you have had a, a boring relationships. Maybe you're kind of in, in a marriage relationship right now, and you're like, we're not necessarily fighting. There's not a lot of conflict, but it's just kind of boring. Maybe some of you are single. You've been doing the online dating thing, you know, for a while, and it's just kind of gotten boring, right? So I'm not necessarily here to talk to you about your job, but I do want to talk to you uh, about this whole idea of being bored in your faith, right? Because some of you would say, man, I'm just, just kind of bored in my faith. Like I spend time with the Lord or I, I try praying and I'm just not feeling it. I feel kind of bored in my faith. So here's the question we're going to ask today. How do you break boredom? What do you do when your faith has just gotten kind of dry and a little bit boring? So um, what we're going to do today is take a look at the Christmas story as recorded by Luke in chapter 2. And Luke, who's a doctor, tells us at the very beginning of his account of the birth of Christ, right before his account, he says, I have thoroughly investigated these events. In other words, he's gone out, he's interviewed people, talked to people who have experienced these events, um, interviewed people who were around Jesus, people in the early church. Maybe he even sat down with Mary to get her view on all of these events, thoroughly investigated it, and then sat down to write us the account. And so today we're going to look at this account. For many of you, you've heard this account dozens and dozens of times. But um, in the last few weeks as I've read this story, there's one principle that really stuck out to me that I want to spend some time on as we look at this whole idea of what do you do when your faith is getting a little bit boring. So here we go. In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So this is Caesar, the, the leader of the Roman Empire, the most powerful man on planet Earth, wants to take a census of the entire Roman world. And so he charged everybody to go to his own town to register. And so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So this is really, really inconvenient, right? This is like, man, really? I got to go, you know, like 90 miles from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. She's nine months pregnant. Can you imagine being on a donkey? You know, you're going up mountains and through the streams and hitting some potholes, right? You're nine months pregnant. Probably had to stop along the way. It probably took them about a week 
to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and they're probably like, man, we really got to do this. We really got to make this trek just for tax purposes so that the Romans can figure out how much their tax revenue will be that year so they can continue their might and extend their kingdom. But they have to do it. They're required. So they, they make their way to Bethlehem. They finally get there. Luke says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him, and that's that's why we wrap Christmas presents. Did did you know that? I I just made that up. No, no. Before we go to the next slide, this is what you would think would happen. This is like King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God in the flesh. You might think to yourself, okay, If this is who this baby is, then obviously she would have wrapped him in a diamond-studded, red velvet, gold-embroidered robe and placed him in a bassinet at a four-star hotel in Bethlehem, right? I mean, wouldn't that make sense if he's the king of kings and lord of lords? Uh, But you know how the story goes. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is amazing, isn't it? We talk about this every year, but it's astounding that Mary, when she has this baby boy, and presumably she doesn't have any salt, because in those days, when you have a baby boy, you rub them in salt, it acts as an antibacterial agent, gets rid of the, you know, the germs, and then strengthens his skin, probably doesn't have any salt, wraps him up tightly in swaddling clothes, right, so that he can sleep, and puts him in an animal feeding trough. This is what the animals eat out of. This is extraordinary. I I remember when my kids were born. Uh, Two of them were born in here locally in in Arnott Hospital. And when Micah was born, he's seven years old now, and I'll never forget it. They're like, hey, he might have fluid in his lungs. So they call in the troops, right? They bring on all these nurses, and they're all lined up. And the moment he comes into this world... They take him out, and it's like a NASCAR pit crew. They put a tube down his throat, and he's like, oh. I'm like, what are you doing? Much? And they give him to the nurse who gives him the nurse. And then they put him in a glass case, and they got you know, the perfect amount of heat on him. They put the salve on his eyes. They make sure he's good. And I'm sitting there looking at him in this perfect, healthy scenario with high-tech medicine. And the king of kings, lord of lords, is put in a manger. The entire Christmas scene can be summed up with the word humility. Ordinary, right? Simple. And then Luke says this, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I want to take a few minutes to talk about shepherds. So... If, if you ever find yourself in the church offices during the week and I run into you, oftentimes I will sort of, you know, experiment with my sermon on you. I might ask you a few questions about what you think because I, I run out of sermon material, right? So I need, give me some, how does this work in real life? I'll take people out to lunch sometime and I'll just say, Here, here's what I'm working on. How's, what are your thoughts on this? Well, this past Thursday, I had kind of a divine appointment. I was scheduled to meet with 
a guy who's part of this church, and it's snowing out. Remember, Thursday afternoon, there's ice on the roads. They cancel school. And I'm like, we probably shouldn't meet. He's like, I'll pick you up. So he shows up with his big truck, you know, and his big thick hands. And I get in his truck, and we drive over to Applebee's. And I say to him, so how's your job going at the USDA? Because I knew he worked at the United States Department of Agriculture. She's got all this experience with animals. He's got all kinds of cool stories. And he goes, well, you know, I don't work for the USDA anymore. I'm actually part of developing solar farms. Now, if you don't know what a solar farm is, they develop these solar panels and they put them in the middle of these fields. And instead of hiring people who cut the grass with machinery, they put sheep on these plots of of land. And I'm like, really? Like, you have a lot of experience with sheep? And here I am about to preach on sheep and shepherds. And I'm like, oh, yes. So we spent like 30 minutes talking about sheep. And he's like, yeah, you put the sheep there so they can keep the vegetation down. Because even if you get a little bit of vegetation that covers even a corner of the solar panel, you know, it shades it and the solar panels don't operate properly. And it's just fascinating. He's going on and on about sheep. And I'm like, so tell me, tell me about sheep. How do they work? And he goes, sheep are fascinating creatures. Because even though they can't talk, when they look at you, they just say a thousand words with that look, <laughs> right? They got personality. I mean, you've seen Sean the Sheep. It's an entire episode. There is no dialogue, and there's all kinds of communication going on, right? So he's like, sheep are amazing. You know, they, they, they talk to you through their eyes. And I'm just fascinated by this. And he's going on about sheep, and, and I'll tell you another story later about this. But if you're a shepherd, you got all kind of different personalities you're taking care of, all kind of different sheep. You got sheep who are cute and docile and just kind of stay there and don't do anything. Then you got sheep who are free-spirited, and they just kind of want to do their own thing. Then you got sheep who think they're superheroes, and they just kind of want to (laughs) fly away. And here's the interesting thing about sheep is they follow each other, right? You've probably heard about this. Like, you could put them in a pen, And one of them leads them out of the pen, and they just will follow blindly the other sheep. And I read an article years ago about this this one shepherd who had a bunch of sheep, and they followed the sheep off of a cliff, and, and dozens of them were killed, right? So if you're a shepherd, this is like blue collar, thick hands, you get up early, you stay up late, you gotta you gotta lead the sheep beside quiet water sometimes because sheep don't drink at water that's moving fast. Sometimes you got to find green pasture because in a desert of Palestine, you know, in these days, there's not a whole lot of vegetation. So you got to bring them up hills and down hills and you're just working hard every day to make sure that these sheep are okay. It is a not so glorifying job. It is blue collar. It is hard work. It is a gritty, gritty job. They're honest men, they work hard, they're humble, and they're consistent day after day after day. Here's here's what's amazing is we don't know any of these shepherds' names. I mean, other than biblical characters, can you name any famous shepherds? The only ones I could come up with were Little Bo Peep and The Boy Who Cries Wolf, right? Like, that's it. We don't know the names of these shepherds. We don't know what they said. We don't know how they turned out. We just know that they were like the blue-collar workers of the day who were sitting out in the field. 
looking up at the stars. Maybe they're gathered around the fire telling stories after a hard day's work. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. As you would be too if an angel showed up <laughs> in the middle or in the evening during your long work day. And then the angel talks. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy or glad tidings of great joy. Now, this, this is interesting. The word angel is the word angelos, right? The word good news or to bring good news or bring glad tidings is the word euangelizo, right? This is the word we get the word evangelize. To evangelize simply means I'm bringing you good news. So that's what angels do, right? If an angel shows up, they bring you good news, right? So if you bring one of these door hangers, right, and you put it on your neighbor's door and then you run away, they're going to come out and they're going to be like, wow, an angel dropped the door hanger on my door. So here's the angels, right, bringing, bringing this good news. And the text says, they say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not just rich people, not just kings, not just politicians, all the people, white collar, blue collar, shepherds, humble, honest, good men. That today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And when the shepherds hear the term Savior, this is what they're thinking. Right? The word Savior is the Greek word soter. This is where we get the word soteriology, which just means a theology of the Savior or a theology of salvation. Right? So Savior, when the shepherds hear this, they think this, that it's a name given by the ancients to deities, to princes, kings, and in general to men who had conferred signal benefits upon their country. This is a big deal. A savior has been born. This is a really, really important person. And then the angel says, this will be a sign to you. And they're thinking, okay, palace, gold, diamonds, lots of light, security detail, It's actually kind of an ordinary sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, an animal feeding trough. Okay. This is one angel which would be terrifying enough. Now we get a choir of angels, right? These shepherds aren't used to seeing this kind of thing. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Shepherds, honest, gritty, humble workers, the favor of God is upon you. And when the angel left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about.
So they hurried off. They probably sprinted as fast as they could. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Can you imagine the scene? It's actually quite ordinary and simple and humble. And I just picture that the shepherds probably bowed down in worship. And then it says this, when they had seen him, when they had seen this Christ child, this Savior, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, I have read this account dozens of times, and this stood out to me as I was studying it, because why do you think the, the people were so amazed at what they said? Why do, you, why do you think they were amazed? I mean, we don't hear that the people said to the shepherds, you're out of your mind. I mean, you guys must be staying up too late, and you're starting to hallucinate, right? They didn't say to the shepherds, oh, come on, guys, you must have been dreaming. I mean, I have to believe that the shepherds told in the story that we encountered the angel and then we saw this, this baby boy and they're excited and they're evangelizing and they're telling the story. Why were the people amazed at this message? And I think the conclusion is because they knew these men. Perhaps they had known them for decades. Maybe they knew them their entire life and they knew that they were humble, honest, hardworking, gritty men who told the truth. And they were amazed, and they took the message, and they shared it throughout. The text tells us that Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So here's the, the message that stood out to me as we're talking about how God is with us even when we're bored isn't this true that humble and hardworking and consistent shepherds were the first to experience God with us? I mean, isn't that amazing? God with us, God in flesh, that other than Mary and Joseph, the first to experience, the first to witness it, the first to evangelize to all of their neighbors were ordinary, humble, hardworking honest shepherds. That's powerful, and that's an encouragement. So here's a question. How do you break boredom? In your faith right now, maybe you're struggling a little bit. Maybe it's, it's become dry. It's become a little boring to you. And here's my encouragement to you through the attitude of the shepherds, and it's simply this. Show up and refuse to give up. Show up and refuse to give up. Keep on showing up. Keep on pursuing the Lord. Keep on serving the Lord. Even when it gets dry, even when it gets dull. I was talking to the high school boys on Wednesday night. I was leading a small group with them. We were talking about this whole issue of what do you do to get on fire for the Lord? And um, <clears throat> several of them were saying the life trip. You guys were like, yeah, the life trip lifted me up. And, and I was excited to hear that because we had given them thousands of dollars to be able to go on this trip. And it it reignited their faith. But you know what? You can only go on a life trip once every three years, right? You can only go off into the wilderness once every so often. You can only go to a conference where you get sort of inspired once every so often. 
my encouragement through the shepherds that you just keep on showing up, that you'd be gritty and you would never, ever get up. You'd keep on pursuing the Lord. You'd keep on coming to church. You'd keep on showing up at youth group. You'd keep getting your kids to children's church, and you keep on doing those ordinary things, which in itself is extraordinary. I mean, think about this. Those of you, all of you, and those of you watching on the line, online right now in this space are doing something that is extraordinary. You've taken time out of your busy schedule to pause and to come in this place and read an ancient text that is alive and to celebrate a God who is with us. That's not ordinary. That's extraordinary. So keep on showing up. I like to say it like this. Grinding it out gets you grounded in your faith. Grinding it out day after day, pursuing the Lord, even during those boring, dry moments. Grinding it out gets you rooted, it gets you grounded in your faith, and it allows you to get before God saying, God, just speak to me. And sometimes you don't hear anything from God. And sometimes it feels a little dry and a little boring. But every once in a while, God speaks to you. Every once in a while, maybe God's going to show up and give you a sign. Maybe it's going to be through somebody else. Maybe it's going to be through a word. Maybe it's going to be through your spirit. But we got to keep showing up because we can't just live on those high moments. We got to keep grinding it out. I like to say it like this. The more grounded you are, the more astounded you will be. The more you grind it out and the more you keep on pursuing the Lord and you keep on serving the Lord and you never give up, God's going to honor that. God's going to give you a word. God's going to speak to you. So don't give up. I mean, you look at the heroes in the faith, right? The people that we admire. You look at Daniel, right, who was exiled from Israel to Babylon. Day after day, he would just pray. And he'd pray. And he'd keep on praying. And he'd keep on grinding it out. And then one day... He's thrown into the lion's den, and he experiences the extraordinary power of God. But that was not a daily occurrence for, for Daniel. I mean, think about David, 17 years old. We know the story of David slaying Goliath, but he had spent the first 17 years of his life getting up early, taking care of sheep, pulling out his slingshot, and taking care of those predators who are trying to take his sheep off. But he kept on grinding it out until God was ready to do something extraordinary in and through him. And that's the story of the shepherds. That's the story of a group of men who day by day, moment by moment, kept doing those ordinary things until one day God decided to do something extraordinary in and among them. So, I was thinking about like some of my heroes, some of your heroes. You know, we live in a culture where we put celebrities up on a pedestal, and even certain Christian celebrities, you know, we read their books and we watch their videos, and that's a good thing. We can be inspired by those. But you know who the real heroes are? It's those people in this local church and in your communities who are living for Jesus day by day, moment by moment, and they're grinding it out for the Lord, and they're making a difference, even though nobody outside this community may never know their name. 
And, you know, there's, there's dozens of people who I could talk about in this local church, but I came up with a couple of them, right? The first person I want to talk to is this shepherd right here, Dave Lyman, <laughs> right? So your wife gave me permission to do this. <laughs> and, you know, Dave's that guy that is just grinding it out, man. Day after day, decade after decade. I mean, sometimes I'll be in my office working, and I'll look out the window, and he's taking care of the lawn and taking care of the vegetation. And I'm like, you know, we could just buy some sheep, and then you don't have to, you don't have to do that sort of thing. Doing the finances, all those things behind the scenes that nobody ever does. And he does it day after day after day. And that is heroic. That's amazing. That inspires us. Another person I thought of was, was Chloe, who's running the projection. You know, Chloe is the only person in this entire church today who can never get bored during the sermon. She has to pay attention to every single second of all of the music in the entire sermon because if she, if she drifts off, then, you know, I'm going to get all shaken up here, right? So she's just one of those, she's one of those young ladies, right, who, like, takes care of all these little three-year-old sheep every day, just grinds it out and then comes out on Wednesday night and serves the youth and comes out early on a Sunday morning to serve me and to serve us in technology. It's people like that that inspire us. It's people like that. They, you may never know their name, but they just grind it out day after day, week after week, month after month. And I'll tell you, those people, those people, are doing extraordinary things, even though it may seem kind of ordinary. And I'll bet you that Dave and Chloe and many others would say, I have moments where I get bored or th- I didn't ask you this. I'm just assuming this is something I struggle with. You've, you have low times and you have boring moments, but then you have moments where God really does speak to you. But you got to put in the time and you got to put yourself before the Lord. And you can't just have a one and a done and continue to look for those big moments. We've got to be like the shepherds who are willing to grind it out day after day. Well, you know, this, this newborn baby would eventually become a man, and he would refer to himself as the good shepherd. He would say, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You say, well, what does that mean? Jesus is like, let me explain. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. So in biblical times, you would have a scene that looked like this. Uh, A shepherd would have his sheep pen, and then he'd put his sheep inside. And he would actually act as the gate. And essentially say to all the predators out there, not on my watch. So I was talking to my friend right the other day at Applebee's, we were talking about being a shepherd. He said one day he was in charge of all these sheep, locked them up, went to sleep, came back the next day, and 16 of his sheep were killed by coyotes. Like five or six coyotes got into the fence and they killed 16 of them. And even as he's telling me this story, there's just some like, sadness in his voice because he remembered that moment where the predators got in. And Jesus is saying, look, if you have a hired hand who doesn't know the sheep, that doesn't care about the sheep, 
That man simply runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says, not with me. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is saying to the predators, I'm going to protect my sheep at all costs, even if it means my life. And this is exactly what he did, right? The predators, also known as the self-righteous Pharisees and the Romans, eventually grabbed him and they nailed him to the cross and he gave his life for the sheep. Jesus is the humble He's the hardworking. He's the consistent good shepherd who shows up every day to lead you to good pastures, to restore your soul. He is God with us. Here's the way David, an ancient shepherd, described it in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll never be in want. He makes me, right? Sometimes... He makes us pause so that he can speak to us. Sometimes he's got to like, just sit down, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, not for your sake but for the glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of boredom, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He's with you. Even when it seems dry, even when it seems boring, even when it's not so exciting, He's with you, and he's doing something in you, and he's grounding you in your faith. So don't hit the eject button. Don't give up. Keep on showing up. Keep on being gritty in your faith. Keep on going to youth group. Keep on coming to services. Get on a ministry team and keep on serving the Lord. Keep on serving those difficult people at work. Keep on loving your kids because he's the good shepherd, and he's with you. And he loves you. And he laid down his life for you. He is God with us, even when you're bored. Let me pray for you, and then we'll get you out of here. God, we thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you lead us besides still and quiet waters. And sometimes, Lord, it feels a little boring and a little stale beside those quiet waters. But you lead us there because you're doing something in us that we don't always feel. You lead us to green pastures. You're rooting us in, your, in the faith. You're making us stronger. I thank you for those mountaintop experiences that we get from time to time, but it's, it's life in the ordinary. 
that can at times be extraordinary. So would you give us the resolve and the strength and the endurance to keep pursuing you, to be gritty, to be grounded, because you love us and you're doing something in us. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for being our good shepherd. We pray this in the matchless, the mighty, and the powerful name of the God of the universe who is with us, the God of the universe who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when your kids say to you this afternoon or this week, I'm so bored, you look at them and you say, That's a good thing. That's a good thing because you need to be still a little bit. You need to be still. So I hope that today you'll be bored a little bit. I hope that this week you'll find some time to be a little bit bored because God's grounding you and he's doing something in you. And you just wait upon him to speak to you just like he did on the shepherds. Make sure that you guys grab one of these door hangers. Pick one neighbor. Just challenge for you is one neighbor. Put it on that door. Invite them out on Saturday night, and hopefully we will see you guys Saturday night, Christmas Eve at 3, 4.30, or 6 o'clock. Love you guys. Thanks for being here today. Merry Christmas, and we will see you hopefully on Saturday night. God bless. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this final Sunday message of this year of 2022, um, celebrating with us the Advent season here on the podcast. And so we are looking forward to being together on January 1st into the new year with a new series um, and just really heading into a new time of life, a new time of ministry, and hopefully a new opportunity for you to connect with the Lord. And so until we're together again, I simply want to say thank you for joining in on this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast.